0: This show is a part of the FM Podcast Network. Visit us at fmpods.com.
1: When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more
0: ways than one. Bob Dylan. I can hear the turning of the key. I've been deceived by the clown inside of me. I thought that he was righteous, but he's vain. Oh, something's telling me I wear the ball and chain. This is Pod Dylan, It celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, One Song at a Time, part of the FM Podcast Network. I'm your host of Freewheeling, Rob Kelly. And joining us this week to talk about abandoned love from 1976's Desire, sort of, (laughs) is returning (laughs) Bobcat, Julia. Hi, Julia. Welcome back.
1: Hi, thank you for having me back.
0: Absolutely. Uh, the last time you were on, uh, we talked about Farewell, a relatively obscure song in the Bob Dylan canon. And we're now talking about yet another obscure song in the mm-hmm. Bob Dylan canon. But I'm really <laughs> excited to talk with you about uh, this song. Why did you want to talk about
1: Abandoned Love? You know, there's really no like, long-winded answer beyond the fact that I just think it's a great song. It's it's extremely underrated, as many of his songs are. And I could never <laughs> make like a definitive ranking of my Dylan songs. But this would have to be up there. It's so like raw and vulnerable. And for lack of a better term, it's, I think it's one of the best from his divorce era.
0: Which version did you hear first? The one from Biograph or the bootleg one where he recorded it at the, the bitter end live?
1: The Biograph version. I didn't actually know about the live recording until like really recently, which I definitely should have known about, but it was, it's, it's just as great.
0: Oh interesting. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I had a bootleg of the Bitter End version on a on a cassette for many years and it's one of those times I mean, he hasn't done this very much obviously where he has played a new song in front of an audience live. That's easy you he can only count on one hand amount of times he's real mm-hmm. I mean not that little, but it's not <laughs> much. He doesn't do it very much. And you I can only imagine being in that club that night. And of course he was a guest oh, of, of someone else and they bring him on and he plays. <laughs> and then he then he starts kind of noodling and I don't you know, depending on who's there in the audience, I mean I imagine they're already you know, relatively Dylan fans. And then he starts singing that first line and you're like, wait a minute I've never heard this before. Like, oh, my <laughs> God, he's playing a brand new song. I mean, it's just it's just stunning. Like, the, you know, that he this must have been something that he had written brand new. It must have like just been in out of his pen. And he really wanted to get it out because it's just, he hardly ever does a- anything like mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I I cannot imagine like just listening to the recording. You can kind of like almost sense that there's like this like waiting in the room. And just the audience is so great because you can tell that they're realizing that they're witnessing this amazing song at its debut.
0: Oh, absolutely. There's two There's two really great reactions. There's the one where I think it's the second verse where he sings, my patron saint is fighting with a ghost. He's always off somewhere when I need him most. The Spanish music was rising in the hill, but my heart is telling me, I love you still. And then you can hear them like you hear the audience kind of start to <laughs> clap because they're like, oh, my, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then when he gets later on with the line about, I love you, but you're strange, people just start to laugh. Oh, I know. Because it's a funny line, but also I think it's a kind of release of the tension because you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm hearing this sort of genius thing play out in front of me. Like, what a special moment. And um, <laughs> I don't know if every bootleg of that night Comes from the one person that recorded it or multiple people had it. But think about what that one person's contribution <laughs> to Dylan Alia has been. Thank goodness they had oh a tape recorder. I, mean, I, <laughs> I mean, this is 1975. They had to have like a tape recorder, I guess, with it. It's not like they had their phone. So, like, thank goodness somebody no,
1: thought it. we were recorder. so close to not having a recording of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was like, oh my God. You know, I mean, again, you would hardly, you would never do something. So let's, let's wind back to. The 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 desire version, because you said that's the one that you first heard, and that's the one that's on uh, Biograph. Now, I've never heard any other studio version of that. I've just heard the one, but I remember you know getting Biograph and being like, "Wow, what 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 the hell? Oh, okay, this is that song. Okay, it sounds so totally
1: different." Well, I would say that I like how the live version is, like I said, like very raw, and you can tell it's not finely tuned yet. But I will say the strength that the studio version has that has Scarlett Rivera on the violin. Mm -hmm. I think that alone adds so much. And I also love the harmonies. I think it's Rob Stoner. But I love the harmonies that are added in the studio version. And it might just be because I heard that one first. But they both have kind of a place in my heart. But I would have to choose the studio version, which might be an unpopular opinion.
0: (laughs) Well, I noticed that the studio version opens with him singing, My heart is telling me, I love you still. And then it kicks into the rest of the song when the, the live version does not. It just starts with, the, I can hear the the turning of the key. Now, I learned this from the biograph notes that uh, this song was dumped on Desire in favor of Joey. Yeah. Don't even get me started, everybody. <laughs> I,
1: <know. laughs> I I think personally, my feelings on Joey are that I think it's a good song that goes on too long and it <laughs> kind of takes away from the quality of it. But I mean, that's just one of the most, baffling exclusions in all of the dylan canon in my mind because i mean they're just not comparable
0: no right exactly yeah i mean he obviously has something very different in mind if he's like drop abandoned love for joey those, those, those are not comparable <laughs> material in any way but to know that he dropped this banger of a song in favor of something which everyone knows i don't you know i'm not a fan <laughs> of is like Oh, Bob, come on. Like he's reaching <laughs> back from the past and just screwing with me all these years later. Um, because the, the, the studio version fits really well mm-hmm. on desire. You could totally see it on there. I mean, it's, it's a little less of like a cinematic song. It's really mm-hmm. not cinematic at all. Well, I guess it kind of is. We'll take, we can talk about that, but it, and so that makes it a little bit different than on desire. But I mean, as say, if, if this ended up being, the opener to side two, as Joey was like bookended this with Sarah, that would have been pretty amazing.
1: I know. I, I think it's a missed opportunity, but also I can somewhat understand how Joey might've fit better on desire, even if I don't like it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I mean, if I could go back in time and and change it, I absolutely would. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> who's the who's this young woman in the studio get her out of here although when we heard of the desire sessions, you might have fit right in because there was like 50 people in there at any given oh, point I know. uh so but one of the things i i really do love about the song is the sort of the mixing of i would say highfalutin language mm-hmm. that he uses and then on the flip side this kind of very direct language i mean you know i talk about the, the just quoted the second verse but the my patron saint is fighting with a ghost and then he talks about you know saint john the evangelist like all these kind of biological or spiritual mm-hmm. creatures and then it gets down to watching the woman dress before the mirror like these very earthy things that you mm-hmm. do with your partner when you live with them and i love that that kind of yin and yang sort of approach yeah
1: you yeah, know i think it's like a good mixture of like like ghosts and saints and all this kind of like very evocative language, but then he kind of grounds it with talk about just very human things, like kissing in a theater. And like mm-hmm. you said, that last verse, it's just a good, it's an excellent mixture.
0: The the line about the patron saint fighting with a ghost off somewhere when I need him most. Um, that is one of my like all time favorite things that he's ever mm-hmm. written that, that line, just because the idea of the the person who's out there, looking out for us is, is nowhere to be found and yeah. I'm off getting into trouble. Like that's <laughs> just fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then he says, but my heart is telling me I love you still. Uh, and then I come back to the town from the flaming moon. I see you in the streets. I begin to swoon. Like that's like, imagine mm-hmm. Bob Dylan swooning over you. <laughs> like that'd be pretty amazing.
1: It's yeah. It's so like vulnerable, which is what I like about it so much is that, that like swooning that's so not what you would think of so like human for Dylan. Cause he's usually likes to keep some sort of distance, but it just, it feels so like, like raw, I guess.
0: I mean, like, can you, for all we know of him and think about how much he's such a stone face, especially in like, you know, these last 20 years of his career, can you imagine him swooning over, <laughs> you know, maybe like swooning over Johnny Cash when he, when he hung out with him or something or Woody Guthrie, but like, seeing a woman and being like oh like that's just so not what we think of bob dylan ever doing with somebody it's just such a wonderful thing to say Mm -hmm. um you know and and again in the 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 desire version um you mentioned like the the harmonies with i guess you said you think it's rob stoner is that singing along with him i I guess it it is yeah
1: yeah i could be wrong but
0: um but yeah i love the good there's this wonderful sweetness to it and then everybody's wearing a disguise to hide what they've got left behind their eyes. I mean, you know, the man is mm-hmm. full of disguise, <laughs> you know, like, like, okay.
1: Like you said, with um one of your favorite Dylan lines being sung, I think that alone is one of mine. Cause I mean, it's just so perfect.
0: Everybody's wearing a disguise. Yeah.
1: It's just, it's so great
0: to hide what they've got left behind their eyes, but me, I can't cover what I am. So right there, he's admitting, I can't, I'm being you know vulnerable to you as you just talked about. And he says, wherever the children go, I'll follow them again. It would have been, you know, marvelous bookend to Sarah talking about the the children. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, again, you can take it literally as he's talking about the children he has with his wife or in a more broader sense, the children, where the innocent people go, mm-hmm. I go and I follow them. You know, that's, that's where I'm, I'm off to go. And then I march in the parade of liberty. Again, it's kind of, I don't really understand what that means. You know, the parade. Mm-hmm. I march in the parade of liberty, but it's, but as long as I love you, I'm not free. How long must I suffer such abuse? Won't you let me see you smile one time before I turn you loose? Now I find it interesting that in the, the bitter end version, he says cut you loose. And on desire or the desire version, he says, when I turn you loose, turn you loose is much gentler than mm-hmm. cutting you loose.
1: Yeah. There's like the little slight like, difference between the live version and the, um, the studio version. They add like just like that single word completely changes the meaning of the line and like how it's how it impacts you when it's delivered, and it kind of changes it into more. It's more gentle in the studio version, I'd say.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I think he's softened up a little bit. That's why I tend to think. I mean, we'll never know, but that's why I feel like the one that he did at the bitter end, like he probably like just wrote it, like the night mm-hmm. before or something. <laughs> and it was burning a hole in his, you know, the paper is burning a hole in his pocket. Um, but yeah, cutting someone loose, you know, conjures up all sorts of images of, you know, like fishing, you know, that kind of thing. Of of mm-hmm. I've catched so I've caught someone and I'm then I'm cutting them loose. But then turn you loose is like, okay, I'm letting you go. Again, it's still it's not drastically different but there's just that look okay he's he is softening up a little i mean i guess even the performance is a lot softer the one in the bitter end he's kind of spitting it out Mm -hmm. a little bit um and then i've given up the game i've got to leave this pot of gold is only make believe the treasure can't be found by men who search whose gods are dead and whose queens are in the church for your, in, in your mind, any idea what any of that is? Cause that's the one verse where I'm always like, uh, I mean, the, the first two lines, sure, but the last two, I'm like, mm, oh, all right.
1: You know, I, I'm not sure and I wouldn't pretend to know, but I would say like that last line, whose gods are dead and whose queens are in the church, it kind of, it just, it's so like, it sounds kind of hopeless in a way. And it sounds <clears> like somebody, like, gods are dead. That alone, that line is extremely, I mean, you just really get the sense of like the heartbreak he's going through. Cause that is as hopeless as you can get when gods are dead.
0: <laughs> I always figured that the, the Queens are in the church are for you talk about men who's in the eyes of these men, their women are not like equal partners or they're not real people. They're kind of these idealized mm-hmm. figures, uh, you know, and that, that's probably not ideal if you're trying to maintain a relationship with them because you have to regard them as real people. Mm-hmm. You know, with all the imperfections that, uh, that that come along with that. But if you put them in the church, then they're just holy and they're deities. And you, that's probably not, again, a great way to yeah. sort and of it, approach it. And it kind
1: of ties back into that last line of, or second to last line about descending from their throne. You get a sense that he's really um, idolizing this woman in this way. In a way, it's so human. But it also, um, you can just get a sense that he, throughout all of this heartbreak and stuff, he still holds this woman in such a high regard. That it, it's hurting him almost.
0: As I mentioned, I think I think I prefer the the bitter end version just because I guess it's a little more passionate. But I love on the desire take. I love the way he his voice kind of softens when he says mm-hmm. we sat in an empty theater. Like he he kind of he doesn't whisper it. It's not that far, but he kind yeah. of like just lowers his voice. He's like we sat in an empty and he then it <laughs> and it's it creates to me this very intimate portrait and you can yeah. imagine him if you want to him and Sarah or whoever he's talking about sitting in this theater watching a movie and having just this little moment between the two of them it's really he can conjure i mean that's why he's bob dylan uh but he <laughs> can conjure up such amazing images with just a couple of words
1: yeah 100% i think it like you said just feels so intimate and you feel like you're there cause it's just those lines they're so you can like see it which he's so good at obviously
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um he says I asked you to please cross me off your list. My head tells me it's time to make a change, but my heart is telling me I love you but you're strange. It's <laughs> just like one of my favorite funny Bob Dylan lines because it's so kind of random and desperate. I mean the way yeah. it's like, you know, my heart is telling me I love you, which is kind of a complete thought, but you're strange, <laughs>
1: which is just such a heart like it's, it's not necessarily a
0: bad thing, but it's just like, you're just strange and you're freaking me out.
1: <laughs> I've always loved that line because to me, it always sounded like throughout all this, it seems like fond of the person that he's singing about. <laughs> like that's he's playfully teasing them almost. And I think just really humanizing moment in this, in this so heartbreaking song.
0: And calling someone strange isn't necessarily <laughs> an insult.
1: You no, know, no, yeah. I mean,
0: it's. It can be, but not always. It could just be, you're strange. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. And of course, anyone that I think catches Bob Dylan's eye, again, we're assuming that this is the narrator is singing is Bob Dylan in this case. They have to be probably an unusual person. He's not really probably interested in fairly normal people.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't think the way he delivers it. That's why I think it sounds kind of fond to me because it does not sound like an insult. He's insulting them by them being strange. It sounds like it's like a quality of them.
0: (laughs) <laughs> I love you, but you're strange. Again, I love in the, the bitter end crowd just starts to laugh, uh, which is fantastic. Never I've never been in where it was. Like I don't know how small that hall is. Mm-hmm. And so I can imagine how intimate that might have been. Like if you're probably like if he's up on the stage, he's probably like a good like eight at the at most, like eight, ten feet yeah. away from the people that are sitting there. Like that's gotta be amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like I think that the live recording, that's a real quality of it. Is that again I don't know even what it looks like, but it feels very intimate. It feels like he's really like bearing his soul to the audience.
0: <laughs> it is kind of when you think about it, like this was uh it was a show by um Ramblin' Jack Elliott, and I don't know you know, I don't know what happened after that, but like after he did this song, it's like, here you go, Ramblin' Jack, here's the stage back.
1: Oh
0: get <laughs> no insult to Ramblin' Jack Elliott, but it's like oh
1: Thanks, I mean, how would Bob. anyone follow that? Yeah, <laughs> I remember seeing. I think it was Swinging Pig when he uploaded the um the live version of it. In the description, he he included like an account of someone that was there that night. Oh, and did he really? Afterwards, okay. Ram and Jack Elliott was just like stunned. Like he he himself knew that he could not follow that very well. <laughs> I don't blame him the slightest.
0: Geez, <laughs> Bob! Thanks for debuting a brand new song <laughs> in front of the audience, and not just a brand new song, but like an awesome new song. Thanks. Okay, I'm going to go back to my concert now. Like, okay. (laughs) Well,
1: it's his fault for having that in the middle and not the end.
0: That's true. Yeah, I know. Yeah, (laughs) save it for for the end. You know, what what are you doing? Uh, (laughs) And then, then the song ends with One More Time at midnight near the wall. Take off your heavy makeup and your shawl. Once you descend from the throne from where you sit, let me feel your love one more time before I abandon it. Now, in sort of contrast to what you were just talking about, the line about I love you, but you're strange, which is not an insult. Asking someone to descend from their throne is certainly a knock.
1: I feel like you could interpret it as kind of him, like a knock, like you said, or you could also just be back to the way he like deifies his partner in the queens or in the church. I think you can interpret it different ways. And I think if you interpret it as an insult, I feel like that would kind of fit in with because in general, his divorce era, again, for lack of a better term, right, right, you get the full range of emotions. So I think that you can really, if you want, you can interpret that as anger That's you kind of hear on, like, idiot wind and stuff. Or you can interpret it as another example of him just thinking that she's almost too good for him.
0: You Right. You can interpret it. You absolutely can interpret it that way. When I always first heard it, it always seemed like it was kind of like... You know, okay, Queen, descend from your throne, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. And then let me feel your love one more time before I abandon it. Which I like that you can think about it a couple different ways. I mean, one, there's this sort of just a metaphysical idea, or uh, let me feel like let me feel your love one more time before I abandon it. Is that not not in a literal sense of like let's just have another moment together? I'm gonna let this go. But then it also could be let's make love one more time. Before a am mm-hmm. If you want, if you want to take it that literally, you can feel it that way too. Of like, you can have that moment where you, you or it could be anything, really anything that you do with your partner yeah. where you know that you're doing this thing together and it's the last time you're going to do that and you know it. Maybe your partner doesn't know it. I mean, here in the song, you sort of saying it, but you can have that moment where you're like, this is, if you know you're going to break up with somebody like, this thing we're doing together, this movie we're going to do together, this dinner we're having together, these friends we're hanging out with, this is the last time I'm going to do it with this person before I all wrap it up tonight or whatever. I mean, that's, yeah. it. it's like, yeah, wow, that's a big moment.
1: Yeah, it's so, I love that he ends it with that line as a way of, like, tying it back to the title, mm. but I, it just it feels like that's a heartbreaking line, but it feels, makes you feel kind of empty afterwards, because abandon it, like, you just really get a sense of finality, I guess.
0: And he's not abandoning the person. He's abandoning the love
1: mm-hmm. yeah. that
0: he has for them. Uh, again, which is kind of devastating in its own way. Like, I have these set of feelings for you, and I'm going to leave them behind. I still feel them, but I'm going to leave them behind. I'm going to mm-hmm. have to. And in the version, again, the, the bitter end one, It's it's a lot more cutting and... You are sort of caught up by the, you know, the, again, the sheer sort of liveness of it. The desire one, as you mentioned, is like so much more gentle, but that mm-hmm. in the weird way, it makes the lyrics even harder to sort of stomach because the performance is yeah. sonic like, so sweet and sounds so nice. And yet it's again, but the sentiment's pretty, pretty rough, really.
1: Yeah. I think the studio version, again, it's like softened by, um, I mean, the, just the background music with the violin, Scarlet Bear's violin. I think it softens it enough that, you're kind of, you have to focus on what he's saying, the lyrics, and his delivery is just so excellent that you really, um like, you have no choice but to feel every single emotion in the song.
0: Apparently, the working title for the song was Sarah Part 2, Abandoned Love, which you talk about <laughs> I think bullseye. <laughs> <eye>. <laughs> okay. All right, Bob.
1: Uh, <laughs> a little... I'm glad you didn't stick with
0: yeah, a little uh, on the nose there. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah. like, geez, okay. Um, and then it, apparently at one point it was also known uh, as Saint John the Evangelist, uh, which of course, again, is mentioned in the song. So yeah, I mean, I, again, I've never heard another version of it on Desire. I don't know if they, did it the one time and then like moved on. Um, I would love to know again whether how close this ever got to being on desire. Was it just, mm-hmm. oh, that was pretty good? And then once he got to Joey, he really, oh, that's what I want to do. Um, but uh yeah, I mean it's it's another one of those songs of his that by most other artists, if they had done it, they this would be in their 100%. their live set for the rest of their careers, you know. But Bob can just kind of go, Oh, yeah, there's a, uh yeah, forget it. And then just leave it behind. And unsurprisingly, it's uh, it's been played live, mm-hmm. contrary to the one time where it was debuted live, zero times. <laughs> so this is just
1: it, it, genuinely matter. It, it, it's just in so insane how how many excellent songs he has that, like you said, any other artist would be so thrilled to be able to include on their al- albums in their live um, performances. And to him, it's just like another thing that he did on a Thursday or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did i do that oh yeah all right okay we have yeah like imagine having that many songs to perm from you know we're like oh i could do this. I this could be on here this could be on here yeah <laughs> um yeah it's it's it really is such a, a you know amazing piece of work and we do want to mention a little bit um there's a i think kind of reflecting that the status of the song is that it's been covered a lot for a song mm-hmm. that, you know, again, has no live performances and really only has the one studio version, it has a lot of covers of it. And when I first talked about the song back in seven years ago, I had never heard the one by George Harrison. I don't know how I missed it because it wasn't like it's on YouTube or whatever. But anyway, I, when I was doing research for this episode, I discovered it and I was like, wow, that's really cool. And it's, <laughs> apparently it's from the 80s. Which is again, even fun like so I imagine like George Harrison like got the biograph set. <laughs> you know? <laughs> He's like listening to it. He's like, oh that's good.
1: I I enjoy it. I really do, just like purely sonically. But um I feel like the music in it and just the whole feeling of it is a little too jaunty for what mm-hmm. um the lyrics are actually saying. So when it's a little um it's a little jarring to listen to the music versus to like actually listen to the lyrics. So I generally enjoy but I there's just really no competition comparing that to either of the Dylan versions.
0: Harrison's inherent sweetness kind of comes mm-hmm, through. Yeah. I always I listened to it and I was like, yeah, the, to me it, it's it's certainly not like anything like my favorite version of the song. But knowing what I you know knowing what we know about those two and like how mm-hmm. close they were, I always feel like that's George's just it's like some like Valentine to Bob. Yeah. You know, in some way. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like, hey man I want to send you a message of like this is a really terrific song so I'm going to sit here and cover it and you know maybe I'll get back to him or something but I just that always feels like it's just a, a gesture of
1: yeah their relationship does always add another level to when um George sings his songs in studio and for demos yeah it adds a whole other level of of sweetness like you said
0: yeah it's like when I was at the uh, the Bob Dylan center and they had all those christmas cards from George you know and it's just oh, like yeah. all these <laughs> me
1: you know these handwritten
0: Again, I know when you're Bob Dylan, these are your friends, but like, it's just getting a Christmas card from George Harrison. (laughs) Like, but I mean, it's not even just, hey, Bob, like those cards are like, hi, Bob, like love to Sarah and the kids. Like, they're just so wonderfully warm hearted. Mm -hmm. And so that's again, when I hear him do this song or you know cover again, any Bob song, but when it's something that it's not like George is going to hear this on the radio you know, while he's making the record and go, Oh, Hey, you know what? Let's do this song that Bob has out. It's like, no, he had to like kind of dig this out. Um, I always thought it was really sweet. Now there are, there are some other cover versions. What were some of the other ones that you liked?
1: Surprisingly, I really like the Everly Brothers version. Mm-hmm. Like, I might even like it more than the George version, which is surprising because it's very eighties, but it really <laughs> worked. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, I'm not used to hearing the Everly Brothers do songs like that. And I just mm-hmm. think it shows how great, this song is, and other Dylan songs, that they can be interpreted in so many different ways, and work.
0: Yeah, I mean, they. I mean, I'm not. I, I'm not really that familiar with the Everly Brothers outside of like their big, big hits. But like mm-hmm. every song I've heard them sing is like, you know, Wake Up Little Susie, like really straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know, very. And then to hear them singing about St. John the Evangelist, you're like, whoa, <laughs> wait, <laughs> that just sounds really strange. <laughs> and then um, the one other version that I actually liked was uh, by Nils Lofgren. That's on the Chimes mm-hmm. of Freedom set. Um,
1: can't I can't say I've heard
0: that one. Okay, that was good too. And then there's a Gil- Gillian Welch and David Rawling song. I mean, again, it's been covered a lot for, for a song, song. That, yeah, for such an obscure song. You know, it really is kind of kind of amazing. So, but I mean, just to <laughs> have yeah. this have this open side too of Joey just would have been, excuse me, a side two of desire uh, would have just been so cool.
1: I feel like Dylan fans can't agree on much, <laughs> but I would say the vast majority of Dylan fans do agree. That including Joey over this was a mistake, <laughs> because I mean, like it's just really no competition. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Again, obviously, you are trying to achieve something very different <laughs> with with the record by putting Joey on it That's than, than mistake, this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I'm being as yeah I'm being as charitable as possible uh, <laughs> to the song, but yeah, I said it's just a terrific little song, and even the the you know the bootleg the bitter end one, even though. The sound quality is not, you know, it's not great. I mean, you know, it's just recorded by somebody on the fly and you can only imagine it was done on tape and that, that, that made its way to, you know, various versions, whatever. But that, that version still retains such power to it. I love when he starts like almost yelling, how long has I suffered such a butte? Like he's <laughs> really like yelling it. They really get into it. And it's just, you know, I think we should be surprised at this at this point, but like the fundamental power that Mm -hmm. he has to put something across like this when it's just him and the guitar in this, you know, probably not great sound setup and certainly not great recording, but yet that just, that the, the, the power of his voice just cuts through all Mm -hmm. the noise. You can imagine probably people clinking glasses and smoking cigarettes and knocking their ashtrays around and stuff. And here's this guy just dropping this piece of genius in front of everybody.
1: And like, Hearing it on YouTube is cutting enough. So I cannot imagine being there in person. I think, I think that would have been just so incredible. Obviously.
0: It's, it's one of those things that like, it's, it's part of like his, that legend thing that he's got going mm-hmm. for him that we all come to it much later of like, wow, he did this thing. He did this crazy thing, you know, like, and you think about it. That's a completely lost time in the world where an artist at his, with his level of fame right, Mm -hmm. could appear at a club and sit there and sing a song, let alone a brand new song, and, like, it doesn't cause, like, a riot,
1: you know (laughs) what I mean, of
0: people, like, I mean, I forgive the comparison, but it's, like, Taylor Swift can't show up (laughs) at a club Right. I mean, maybe she mm-hmm. does. I don't know. I don't, I, you know, it's not like I'm following what she's doing, but like, you know what I mean? Like I, it's not like you hear, Oh Taylor Swift dropped in at this club and sang a brand new song and then left. You were like, what? Like, I mean, obviously <laughs> because in our modern social world, it would be, it would be on a million phones and be mm-hmm. on, on Twitter in three seconds. But you know what I mean? It's like, wow, wow Bob can kind of do this, like this weird minstrel. He appears, <laughs> does this thing and then disappears before anybody's hip to it.
1: I know, and I feel like I, I feel like I've heard a lot of stories like that, where he just like appears as like some apparition, and he just <laughs> out of no, Or, Like I know, you Minnesota. I know personal stories people that have gone to like a bar, and they're like, "Oh, Bob Dylan is here!" Like he's just everywhere, weirdly <laughs> enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's this trickster god, you know. He's like showing up <laughs> and doing these strange things, and then again, by, by the time you get hip, I mean, can you imagine? Like, right again, I am just like blue skying here but like you're <laughs> in the bitter end right and bob dylan sits down and starts playing you run out to like get your friend you know you're like hey you the- <laughs> holy shit bob t-. and by the time you get here he's done you know he's already <laughs> packed up he's got his guitar you're like oh oh all right okay you know like just it's that's part of that legend of it and i think that's part of the reason this song has that it has that extra little juice to it because you're like oh yeah everyone knows about that that version that just came out of nowhere and like just did it Mm -hmm. you know
1: uh air of mystery around it
0: (laughs) yeah completely completely it's it's absolutely uh it's absolutely terrific song well uh, julia thank you for coming back you love talking about the obscure songs sometime we'll have to have (laughs) you back talking about something that was you know like actually on a record or something
1: he just makes it so easy when his obscure songs are so
0: good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely
0: true. Well, again, thank you so much for, for coming back. I appreciate it. Before we go, I have to ask you an exit question. Now, the last time you were here, I asked you the sessions question, which was what mm-hmm. album do you want to sit in on? So I'll change that to uh the bootleg series question. So like, okay. Sony comes to you, Julia. They see your, <laughs> your Twitter handle of the yeah. little, like the <laughs> eight year old Bob Dylan or whatever. How old <laughs> is he in that picture? that you have on your...
1: Ageless, I don't even know.
0: He's <laughs> like a little kid and they're like, this <laughs> This woman's a fan. So you get to decide, you get to decide what material would be on the next bootleg series. What would you pick?
1: Oh my gosh. I I would love to hear what he was up to in the 2010s honestly. Like, I feel like we have a triplicate and like some like the Frank Sinatra albums, but I would mm-hmm. just like I just love to hear his more cuz I feel like that's kind of a a lull in his original material so I would and I know that knowing Bob he was probably doing something mm-hmm. so I would love to pull stuff out from that time period
0: That's a great answer. I'm that's, I'm sure <laughs> this stuff's coming eventually, right? It's I know, just
1: just waiting. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're all just waiting. So yeah, hopefully one day. So, well again, Julia, thank you for coming back. I really yeah, do appreciate you. it. Do you want to tell people where they can find you out on the internet?
1: Sure. My Twitter username is eat the document with only one T between the E and the, which sounds like a mouthful to say, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) again, deep cut, deep cut, deep cut. Uh Well, again, thank you so much for coming back. I really do appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find this show on Twitter at pod underscore Dylan. And you can find back episodes uh on our website, fmpods.com. And then just one last, one last thing I want to mention. I've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. Starting with the next week's episode, the um, August 5th show, we'll be doing the um biweekly where every other show will be just a free preview, like a 15 minute or so preview. And then to hear the full episode, uh, you'll have to subscribe over at, uh, fmpods.com. And, you know, for once you become a, uh, a, a member again, over at fmpods.com or on Apple podcasts, you will get all the episodes, the extended episodes. You'll get access to all the back catalog and all you'll have access to the bonus shows, um, that we're doing plus all the other content that the other shows are producing over there at or on Apple podcast. So that's going to do it. Thanks everybody for listening and we will see you later. Bye.